Hola. Welcome to episode 56 of War to Your Mama. Today we have the legend, Garth Trinidad, a.k.a. Señor Trinidad. I asked him what he wanted his title to be. Because he's starting a new chapter in his life, kids. And his title now is, he's a Pisces and an Angelino. So this episode is about his origins and kind of the deconstruction of Garth Trinidad and him starting new chapters. You guys know, probably know him um, from KCRW, producer and curator of some of the most legendary events here in L.A. and around the world as music supervisor for Entourage. But of March of this year, this is 2021, we're at the end of 2021, still year two of pandemic, if you will. March of this year, after 27 years at KCRW, he left and he's starting this new chapter. And before you would say, oh, Garth Trinidad, oh yeah, DJ, curator, but he's more than that, kids. And that's what we find out. In this episode, it was an honor and a pleasure to reconnect with an old friend that, as you hear from our conversation, the first time we met, it was like when I was my one of my first jobs interning in the music industry. And he just opened arms and we felt like a kindred spirit, a kindred connection. Um, it's great to hear the work that he's been doing where he's at mentally, in his heart. And uh, we talk about all that good stuff. We talk about staying safe in the pandemic, making those hard decisions about, you know, unfortunately having to break promises because these are very unique times, right? You got to feel safe. About ending lifelong relationships because, you know, your work, what you've been doing for a long time, what you put your heart and soul in, that that's a... That's a relationship and all the major transitions he's going through. We talk about things like past life regressions, um, his earliest music memory, how he actually graduated, got his degree from with illustration in illustration from Otis and how during that time, that's when he started DJing at KCRW and how at, during that moment in his life, music won over art. But now the rest is coming together. Um, his time as mu- as a music supervisor at, at, for at Entourage, and how you know consultant versus music supervisor is a thing. Consultants being a consultant is going to win every time, because of all the the things that really actually go into being a music supervisor. And you know, trying to move back into he's on the cusp of being going back into that visual art world, b- being a writer, telling us his stories, and everything else is on the horizon. So let's get into it. All good, man. Um, but does that, I can't really tell because my picture's so small. Does that look cool? Yeah, yeah, you look fine, yeah. Right, you don't see my dirty laundry in the background? No, not at all. It looks clean and pristine. <laughs> Just to the side. <laughs> Garth, how are you, man? I haven't seen you in forever. Um, I'm doing all right. I mean, I'm like, uh, look, to be <clears throat> number one alive 
Um, number two, in good health. And number three, to know that to have, you know, friends and loved ones around me, like healthy, like my kids are in good health. And, you know, even uh, my parents, they're doing all right. Like, I mean, you know, they're elderly, so they have their issues and whatnot. But um, I'm just happy to be like in good health with like a pandemic still upon us. I mean, I'm gonna just be honest, like, it's, this is like whooping a lot of people's ass and, you know, mentally and emotionally. And um, I'm just, I pray for good health. I'm, you know, vigilant about my health. I try to be, you know, I don't know. I just, for me, it's like, I don't take it lightly. Yeah. And I even had, um, you know, booked the night with, uh, you know, Asul, who's basically like booking book and running uh, grand performances. Yeah. And he had a huge responsibility um, for the summer because uh, it was like his first time, you know, and he basically was um, just hired on. And he was the guy that was going to reintroduce the new grand performances as things started to open up. And I wanted to do like a really small boutique show. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> and. Um, <laughs> it's just something going down my throat the wrong way. It ain't not serious. Um, <laughs> oh, not stressed. We're not stressed. <laughs> It's like you got to you got to give a little. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like as as the time progressed over the summer, because we had like a late summer booking it was like late August. I was like, like, yo, like people are coming out in droves for these shows. I'm like, I asked them, like, you know, I want to still keep mine like super small, just keeping in mind my goal and the idea that it's still a pandemic and it's cool everybody coming out but i kind of like don't want to promote mine and maybe just have like 50 people socially distanced you know in the yeah. little amphitheater and the game had changed by then like he's like dude i'm so sorry like we just have to keep the ball rolling and i'm like man i gotta i can't do the show i gotta pull out yeah yeah you know, i gotta yeah exactly you gotta do what you had to do for you and for your family because those these are the times. These are these are the times. Um, I I, I shout out to Azul and I, I definitely want to reach out to him and talk to him and hear his story too. And I saw a lot of my friends, you know, go to the grand performances. You know, it was it was an amazing lineup. But for, it was an I mean, amazing. But Azul, I, the he, perfect guy for that. You know what I mean? Like perfect. that's yeah. He, that's his frequency right there. So I knew he was going to kill it, but I did what I didn't know what I underestimated was, and I shouldn't have, um, it should have been a safe assumption that people were just like Itchy. ready yeah. to, you know, come out and just be around each other. And I'm just not there yet. I'm just like, yeah. you know, I got, I got teenagers. I got like, you know, I got kids that are going to school out of state and out of the country right now. So like, I'm, I'm on them. I'm like, yo, stay vigilant. Like, be safe. Just practice the little things. Like, don't stop. Wash your hands all day long. Don't all touch. Long. Face. Like, don't don't be around too many big crowds. Like, you know, be careful. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard, and it's oh, so hard for kids. I mean, you 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 have a son, and I just I feel like kids probably got it the, the hardest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, little kids, big kids, all kids. Like, because it's hard rough. for adults. It's hard for adults so to let alone you know a teenage brain uh an uh, you know a young child's brain they're just supposed to be out in the world and they're supposed to learn by being out in the world and then then when that's taking away from you 
I mean, I give it up to these kids, you know, it's like they, they roll with it, they deal with it. But, you know, as a, I'm like, as an adult, I'm not okay. <laughs> and I have the vocabulary and experience and the agency, and I still have my times where I wasn't okay. So we, it was a lot of talking. It's a lot of trying to understand because have you and I ever been through something like this? <laughs> no. <laughs> Has a lot of the people in the world been, have we been through something like this? No, it was about, we, let's let's grow and learn together. Like, what is this? How are you feeling? Like, it's a check-in all the time. And, you know, especially the past couple of episodes with my guests is we've, I said, low-key grateful for this, you know, past administration and the pandemic because our People have been put in situations where we would have never known where they where they were landed on the spectrum. Like, are you the one that's like, you're the pandemic's over because you're over it, <laughs> or or are you like, no, I'm I still care about others, <laughs> and I want to be safe. So it's like that whole. It's like okay, if this would these things wouldn't have happened in succession like that, I would have never known. I would have been none the wiser. And I would have just kept rolling hard. And now it's like, oh, now I know. So I love hearing that, you know, you did what you needed to do for you and you felt safe. And I'm sure in your gut was screaming like, I got to pull out. I got to pull out of this. Well, I was grateful that, um, you know, Asul and I were able to, um, as busy as he was, um, you know, most of it was over text messages. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, I would, I would communicate with him. I'd reach out to him and be like, yo, um, you know, this is what it is. This is what we're doing. And as we got closer, I'm like, so he's like, yeah, man, like we, I had to switch it. I had to switch the whole game up and now everything is moved to the big stage and there's really, mm. you know, everything's been slated. So, it, you know, think the grand performances, the shows are promoted together. You know what I mean? You have your individual promotion as, you know, each show comes upon the date, but you know, they slate shows you know, there's general promotion in the beginning. There's, you know, huge flyers and posters and, you know, it lists, you know, people that are coming and the dates. And so, you know, they have a specific way that they promote. It's not like a club, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, it, it's a concert venue and a, and a performance venue. Um, and I was like, man. And so, you know, my partner, um, Mateo Sonolia, who, you know, we, we have like a little side project, Trinidad Sonolia, where we do like little cool kind of like, you know, lit house, deep house kind of vibe. And, you know, we put out some music over the years. So we were going to do a performance together. And then I had, you know, Jungle Fire. We're going to do a performance. And then um, Open Mike Eagle was going to close the show. But it was going to be like a super tight, intimate, like almost like acoustic mm. vibe as like a, 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 a triple, you know, set, um, you know, like a, like a little sunset vibe. And so that mm. was the initial idea. And so I was like, yo, man, like, like the tumbleweed has grown and we have to, we have to shift it got to be big i'm like ah i can't i can't do it because my partner was also like "Mm, i'm not comfortable so we just had to like i felt terrible you know i don't like as as a promoter and a a, a, you know concert producer and curator over the years i mean i've done plenty of shows put together plenty of shows and events i do not like being the guy that's like i can't do it but thinking about everything i'm just like you know what i'm not ready to like you know be around five thousand people you know, yeah. um, I, that, and that's just a personal preference. Yeah. You know, everywhere I go, I try to be outside. Like if I go eat or whatever, I mean, you know, last night, um, 
since I've walked away from radio and, you know, in that kind of like cooled off on like the whole DJ thing, um, I've done like two like private parties this year. One of them was last night. It was like a special event for uh, the Fear of God brand. They're launching like a new loungewear series and they needed somebody to come out and play like strictly jazz vinyl. So Mm. my boy called me up and I'm like, yeah, of course, you know, I love Jerry, the founder. I love what they're doing. I'm like, I'm all in. Um, But, you know, what's the money look like? And then what is the setup like? Please believe it. What's the safety precautions? Because the other party I did was like outside. And I'm like, okay, cool. So last night was supposed to be outside, but I get there and the plants had shifted. So I had the inside. So I was like, ah, <laughs> I mean, it was fine. You know, it was, it was a small enough group of people, but it was like, wow, it's like, it's crowded in here right now. <laughs> yeah. You know, and look, I, I'm, I'm working on, you know, evolving my consciousness. I'm working on like the deconstruction of my life. It's, you know, negative patterns and cycles. I'm going, I'm finalizing a divorce. I've also sort of, uh, you know, in, in a way, I don't want to call it a divorce because I think it, it frames it up in a, in a negative way. But, you know, I left KCRW, but that's also a lifelong relationship. That was a partnership, if you will. Yeah. So I'm looking at it like, OK, I'm, I'm, I'm going through two divorces. I'm like raising these kids to be adults, taking care of my elderly, you know, helping my elderly parents. Um, I'm basically sort of in this weird space right now where I'm, wor- I'm working on manifesting things that I want to come into my life. But the first part of that is becoming selfish with my time again, which yes. is something that, you know, as a spouse and a parent, um, I haven't experienced that in so long that I have to like, you know, shake my brain up and be like, okay, you have to, you have to come up with a new routine. That's, it's almost like I have to be in a relationship with myself. Please believe it. You know, oh, like, for sure. I got to date myself. Yep. <laughs> got to yep. take care of myself. And I just haven't, I haven't really done that. And like, you know, let me see. Yeah, like 20, over 20 years. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't even think that way. Like every, every the way that I think, and you, you, you relate because you're a parent. And, and, and forgive me because you and I haven't talked in so long. Are you and Rocka still rocking yeah. it? I mean, yeah. He says hello, by the way. Yeah, and please, he's, please. He's, he's putting a little man to sleep right now while I'm doing this. Can please give him a hug and a kiss for me because he's one of my ever. And you guys together is like, you know, your inspiration. Thank so you. you understand that because yeah. family, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But there comes a time where we have to like shed that identity of like, mm-hmm. especially being a parent, you know, and get back to who we are as people, as a person, as a soul, yeah. you know, having having an experience. So that like, that's where I'm at. Like I'm reading some Eckhart Tolle right now. And I'm just like, I'm peeling back the pairs. It's a very kind of deconstructive period of my life. And it's a, it's a trip. I mean, it's, I feel like anyone who's a parent understands it, but I think on a deeper level, being a creative, that's another layer. You know what I'm saying? It's like, while I'm in it, The past couple of years and even right now, it's like, what's my identity outside of being like as a as a mom, I had to put stuff on hold in a different way than, you know, Raka had to. Do you know? It's just like that's the dynamic of what was happening. And it's like finding that out. So I can I can't even imagine the deep work that you are doing. Just seeing like your Instagram and you're posting like you're out in the desert or you're out at that um 
one uh, container place in the in the I know the company, I can't think of it right now, but you know, it's just like, oh, he's, he's, I didn't know exactly what you're going through, but I was like, he's in it. Like I could see it. Like I could see you were doing um, the work. I, I barely, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm just starting. Like I've barely started. But I'm glad that you're there. I'm glad that you're there. You look amazing as always. And, um, you. Uh, you know, I I don't know what the right words are. I, I I I am sorry to hear that you know you're going through these different transitions, but I'm sure that you know you're you guys are in a better place for it, and that um you know I'm excited to see what happens with you in professionally and personally, you know, and and I like the way you're talking, the way you're thinking. So it's it's I know you're just starting and you're deep in it, but as as someone who's always been a fan of you as a person and what you do for the culture, what you've done, I'm excited for the new chapter. Like as soon as I saw that you were leaving and I was like, I don't know the motivations, but I'm excited for whatever. Like you're always going to land wherever you need to land. And I think, you know, you've always been, you've always had like this, I don't know, like this deep grounded energy. I don't know how else to describe it. Like, I feel like you're always, I think you're similar like Rocket. Like you're always, you don't say too much, but when you say it, it's profound and you're always thinking though. <laughs> What's your sign? Are you a Gemini? <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Pisces. I forgot oh. my rock, but I think it has something to do with like my uh, other signs uh, because Pisces, are, you know, move around and, you know, we're the, we're the dreamers and we're always dreaming up stuff and think overthinking stuff and a million ideas floating through our head. And so I think, I think that grounded energy is something that has to do with whatever, like, I, you know, and it's, I had my, uh, my chart done like last year and, but I like forgot everything. I have it written down yeah. somewhere. It has something to do with like the different energies. Right. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not deep off into astrology at all. Like I, yeah, me I, <laughs> And I, be, I actually believe in it. I believe that there's, you know, that that science is crazy to me. You know, once I really started to understand like the signs and the planets, I'm like, whoa, this is like, mm-hmm. wow, like personality type. Okay, this is like, this is like, okay, I could dig this, but I'm not like well studied, if yeah. you will. Yeah, same. You know, um, but I definitely appreciate it. And I'm, I'm learning a lot about myself as far as like being a Pisces and whatever my rising sign is and all that kind of stuff. And it just makes so much sense. Um, and I appreciate that. And I, I feel like, you know, Rock and I are like kindred spirits in that way. You know, when I, when I met him and we, I interviewed, dilated and we talked and everything, and I was just like, yeah, you know, this is like, you know, just one of those cats. Like we could, we relate on that level without even really communicating too much. You yeah. know? Um, I think yeah, old man. souls, I think you guys are, I feel like I'm an old soul. Our son is like, you guys been here before and before, you know, yeah. I think multiple times. And I think there's. I think that's where that groundedness comes from. Like you're knowing you've been here before. It's like, you're not first time, not, not the first time at the rodeo or something like I that. Agree. I agree you know? with that. I'm, I'm digging deeper into that. Like one of the things I'm going to do, like part of the work I want to do, I got a, a laundry list of stuff that I want to do. Um, but like, I want to get into past life regression. Yes. I think that that could hold the key to like, not just 
past traumas of this life, but you know, prior lives that I think I think we hold on to as spirits. I, you know, I was talking to um, my lady about this um, recently. We'll you know we'll dive into these things, and she's like almost twenty years younger than I am. And so we have these really interesting conversations because of like these different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Like we just, we see certain things that have weight to them uh, very differently. Like time as a construct, we have totally different perspectives about time. Um, but one of the things we were talking about was like suicide. Mm-hmm. And I saw there was a series, a documentary series, it's probably still on Netflix. It's called Surviving Death. And it's like six episodes. And it, it, it opened me up to something that I had thought about, you know, or think about every now and then in that you can't necessarily free yourself by taking your life because you carry it with you into whatever your next experience is going to be like it, like, that's not, it's not a shortcut. And, you know, I, I don't have, I have an opinion about, you know, suicide. I I don't think that it's ever the right thing to do. If I saw somebody trying to commit suicide, like I'd be like, "Mm, let's, you probably, let's not do that. There's, you could live another day and we could figure this out. You know what I mean? Like, that's the kind of person I am. But then some people have a different perspective. Like, yo, you don't, you, you don't understand. You might not understand the level of pain Mm -hmm. that the person is, is dealing with and experiencing. Um, But does that mean, you know, it's like, okay, cool. Like, do you like I, I'm not there yet I'm not I'm not I'm not I haven't convinced myself that I would just be like hands off you got to do what you feel like you need to do because I feel like you don't just you don't have that shortcut like it's not that's not real like you don't free yourself that easily yeah and I think that's just divine common sense you know what I mean like yeah you carry things with you and so like past life regression I feel like okay yeah I want to dig into that because I feel like there might be some stuff that went on in prior lives or experiences or worlds that, you know, outweigh some of the stuff that I went through as a kid, you know, like some of the stuff might be deeper than that, you know? Yeah. I mean, cause you think about, I don't know if you've ever heard um, like epigenetics, you know, like the trauma is literally within the cells. Like my grandmother, my abuelita, when she had the egg of my mom in her, it already transferred that like scientifically backed. So like if it's in within the cells, it's within the energy. If it's and like, you know, uh, ancestral generational it for sure. Like it, if like, I'm not whole tip about stuff, like, but I be, like, it's a mix. It's like a mix of like scientifically backed shit and a little bit of woo woo stuff. Like that's me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't go too much into over here, but I, it's, I feel it's a mix. So that makes sense to me. You know, the, the past life thing, totally. I, you know, it's funny. Cause I spent, I spent some time when I was married, you know, in the church. Mm. Um, I grew up Catholic. Um, did you as well? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That's another know, Catholic, level. <laughs> the Catholic childhood, right. I'm sure we have plenty of stories to share. Um, I went to Catholic school in the whole nine. It was a trip. Um, but, you know, I got married and, and you know, uh, my ex was uh, a staunch born again Christian. And so, you know, wanting to be 
a good spouse. And, you know, I, I did the deep dive and I took it upon myself to begin reading the Bible and, and, you know, attempting to decipher things. And immediately, you know, I caught wind and I wasn't really, I wasn't doing a deep dive into metaphysics, met, metaphysics per se, but around that time, you know, I'm a student of like, you know, hip hop, but conscious hip hop, I was paying attention to, Yeah. you know, I'm listening to NWA, but I'm also listening to, you know, Boogie Down Productions. I'm listening to KRS-One because he was studying metaphysics. He actually called himself by the time he was in his late twenties, a metaphysician. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm listening to what he's talking about. And so when I was reading scriptures and stuff, I'm like, this is all, this is metaphysical. Like this is all metaphysical stuff. And one of the scriptures I remember that points to what you're talking about in terms of the science of epigenetics is like, God says, you know, I will visit the sins upon the third and fourth generation. And that points directly to that. And I'm like, well, that's, that's what the, that's what the, the Bible's talking about. Yeah. You know, it's science. science. It's, all it is. Yeah. it's a trip. It, it's it not, trip. it's not like, you know, this like religiosity that we can't figure out. It's like, oh, that's, this is what that means. Yeah. Everything is decipherable. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a trip. So I'm definitely going to do that work. I'm like looking into like fascia work because like you pointed out, it's in the cells. And so that trauma actually gets crystallized in your body, you know, yeah. in, in your, your, you know, the, the muscle tissue and the cartilage. And it just gets in there hardened. So I want to like, you know, I want to get all that out. Yeah. You know? There's a, an amazing book that my therapist a couple years ago when I started going to a therapist again recommend it and it's it's i recommend it all the time i talk about it almost in every episode it's called um the body keeps a score and there's an even longer name and it's by i'll, I'll say i'll send you the link I, i've heard about the book i haven't written it down send me a link please game changer do you yeah. know what i'm saying that yeah. one and this other one game changers because i was like oh makes all the sense in in the world um so let's 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 start you know, like I always say on here, I, I have an amazing tribe of people uh, and this is a, a great way for me to reconnect. And then I get to learn things that I would, you know, we don't we'll say what's up at the at the event, at the party, at the club. You'll be spinning. So I can't really talk to you, you know, or whatever. So I don't get to know these little, you know, these little uh, trinkets of go of goodness. So. Hey, man, like you and I are also kindred spirits. Like, I remember when I first met you, I'm like, yo, this is my girl right here. I feel like this is my, like, like my cousin. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was like, you know, I remember, I think, what was it? The first time we actually met face to face was at, was at the radio station in the basement. Yes. Right? Yes. At the old, because, you know, people, people listening, it's, they have a new place now. But yeah. So I wrote that down. I was like, I was trying to remember how we met Frank. I, w I was working for Frank. I was interning with Frank. Oh, so yeah. For the Unbound Project, yeah, Frank yeah. Sosa. Frank Sosa, if you're listening to this, come on, man. Come on the show. I want to talk to you. I want to reconnect. Um, and then I went there and I just, I don't know. I felt the same way. I was just like, I feel like I know him. And then I tell everybody, I was like, oh, and then I, it was so dope because you were so awesome. You made me feel so welcome. I think when you announced that you were boning out when you were leaving, I, just, I remember I posted that. I was like, wow. He like. He made me feel so welcome. I was new in the business, new in the scene, you know, just moved up to LA. I'd live by myself. So I was going to all these things by myself. 
And I was venturing to this music world and this hip hop world where everyone was like, be careful with the dudes, you know, and this and that. And you were just one of those solid dudes. You made me feel welcome. And then you gave me the honor of like recording. I don't know if you used it, but I felt it felt amazing just recording. Do you remember that? You were like, can you say Chocolate City in Spanish on the mic? I I used all all them joints. As long as it was fresh, I I have them on like cassette somewhere. No way. Yeah. In the shoebox. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man, I felt I felt the same way. So I'm happy to hear that you felt you felt it too. I was just like, I know him. <laughs> yeah. Just good peeps, just quality peeps. Also, do you remember it was for Keeping in Time premiere? Mm-hmm. And you were like, hey. I, I wasn't known as Ritzy then. So you're like, hey, Marissa, da, da, da. You're like, uh, I want you to, do you know Raka? <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, so it was like the party for keeping in time, which is an amazing doc. I'll have a link for that for everybody. Um, you know, uh, Mochila, uh, B+, Plus, Eric Coleman, the whole gang. It's amazing. It was the first one and it was uh, the party. So it, we were in the, I forgot what club it was at. And then you're like, hey, you're like, come here. I want to introduce you. Do you know Raka? But Raka and I were already dating, but I told him not to tell anybody. Oh. <laughs> and so we pretended like we didn't know each other. We're like, oh, hi, oh, nice to meet you. That, da, 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 I don't da. remember that, but that is so. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love that story so much because I was just like, listen, I'm I'm a I'm a one of the only you know few females in the scene here in LA, and I have to talk to GJs all around the world, like all around the country. I don't want people to think that I got a job because of you. I don't want people to think like it's tough out here. Yeah, you know, go listen to Mona Lisa's episode. Go listen to Rachel Ramis's episode. Like rap game stories of a female in the rap game in the music biz and so yeah. i was just like don't say anything i don't he was, like, I, he was like probably like what okay and i was just like don't say i don't want anyone to know so when you came here like here i want to introduce you to rock i was like oh hi nice to meet you <laughs> and then we laughed about it later <laughs> That's, i love it, I love it. Love so it. so garth where where are you born and raised la i was born um in upstate new york because my parents were going to school back east. Uh, but they were both like, where's my mom born? They were born, they were they were both raised in LA. Um, and they went away to school, had me. And they were they were young and wild, you know what I mean? So my mom uh left Pops back east and she came back to LA. And so she was working and I was like, you know, staying. Uh, with my grandma while she was at work and stuff. So those are some of my earliest memories. Um, but yeah, I've bas- basically been in like, you know, South LA and then spent my like junior high and high school years uh, in the West Valley. But, you know, kind of going back and forth because, you know, my dad came back to LA um, when he was done with school. And so, you know, I basically was in L.A. in the valley, in L.A. in the valley. I was just kind of like my stomping ground was over the hill, back over the hill, you know. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm just an L.A. city kid, basically. L.A. city kid. So because you can't think of L.A. music scene, you can't think of that certain era of, you know, um, 
electronic and hip hop without thinking of you. What was your first memory of music? Was it like your parents listening to their stuff? Like, what was that for you? Yeah. Um, I have, you know, like very sort of quiet, soft memories of like early childhood, like being a toddler and, you know, hearing a piece of music that I probably couldn't identify for you unless I was hypnotized or something like that. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, my parents, they were young. I mean, they had me in their early 20s. And so when I'm growing up in L.A., these are these are parents who are like in their mid to late 20s and they're like partying all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you have kids, you just and back then it was in the 70s. It was like house party central. You know what I mean? So you. <laughs> they throw in house parties and getting lit. And, you know, the kids is kind of like chilling in like the den or the upstairs or whatever. We, so we just letting them, they doing their thing downstairs and don't come downstairs. Like, <laughs> let's, you know what I mean? Um, so I, I, I was sort of raised on that like sound and they, so they were playing like all their dance music was like funk and R and B, mm. you know what I mean? Um, so I, I have memories of that, but one of my probably the most powerful memory in terms of like an early music memory that like truly affected me. And I've told this story a couple of times. Um, we were up in the mountains somewhere. I want to say it was probably Big Bear. It could have been Mammoth. I don't know. But I remember it was cold and I had a jacket on and we were in the parking lot of some kind of like market. And this, it was either a Camaro. I think it was a Trans Am because I was into cars when I was little. And I think it was a Trans Am came in the parking lot, windows down, and all the way turned up was um, Genius of Love from um, Tom Tom Club. Mm-hmm. And I was, I remember I was walking and we were either walking toward or from the market and I stopped. It was, this is, that song came out in like 81, 82. So I'm like seven, eight years old at the mm-hmm. time. And as soon as I heard it, it, it just, my whole, my brain, my body, my heart, everything was like, this is my world. <laughs> like, this is some, this is some, something otherworldly. And I, I immediately was just like taken mm-hmm. with that song. And it was like, wow, I was just blown away in that moment. So that's probably the, the most powerful, like early memory I had, because it literally stopped me in my tracks. It was and still remains like one of my favorite songs. And I think one of the most phenomenal, just like productions, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I'd never heard anything like that before, yeah. you know? And it's it set off so much that followed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm pretty sure that Tom Tom Club was heavily influenced by George Clinton. For sure. Um, they, they referenced James Brown in the song, but I know yeah. they were listening to Roger, Zach. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. But they they had this European slant and they just did something different with, you know, the little vocalizations and the lyrics <laughs> and the drop ins and like the, the James Brown. Like they, it was like <laughs> yeah. it was it was it was something that I like to describe as bewitching. Yes, you know? it is. And so where, when you hear it to, like, today, present day, do you autom- does it automatically take you back to that image you just painted for us? 
Do you want to support original content that supports diverse voices? Why not support Word to Your Mama? You're listening to it right now. Become a patron. Head over to patreon.com slash WTYM. There are four patron levels to choose from, including Good Looking Out, I'm Down, Hell Yeah, and Please Believe It. Benefits include patron shoutouts, exclusive patron-only content, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash WTYM to take your support to the next level. Gracias. Hell yeah. And it still every, holds up? Every time. That's amazing because that's one of my favorites, one of my songs and one of the, I, I remember hanging out at my cousin's in the summer and um, we were next to the crack house and we were having like summer outdoor parties and just doing things we shouldn't have been doing. But that song always takes me there. I was like, I don't know. 12 or something like it had already been out but like it was the first time i was able to experience it like in like face to face you know in like a outdoor party setting in this situation and i it's always immediately takes me to that moment and it's just like oh it gets me like on a, on a molecular level and just like yeah Ugh. yeah molecular straight up yeah mm-hmm. love that song um so one thing we've never talked about, and I didn't know, and I don't know how I didn't know this, you went to Otis. Oh, I thought I thought we talked about that. Okay, yeah. No, you went to Otis <laughs> College of Art and Design. That's where I wanted to go to school, but I couldn't afford it. I couldn't go. So tell, let's talk about that shit. I got, I got lucky. Um, I got, I was able through my parents to get a bunch of loans and I got a couple of grants and um, I went, I started in 95. I was able to skip foundation year, um, you know, cause I'd been doing like night school and whatnot at like art center and, you know, other like art classes on the side, trying to like, you know, get my portfolio developed enough to like, you know, skip foundation year because it was certainly a school that I, I was looking at going to. I also wanted to go to Art Center, but I felt like as much as I loved Art Center and what it was doing, there was a, a small voice inside of me that kept saying, like, yeah, it's like it's too corporate. <laughs> you know? And I'm not I'm not a big corporate cookie cutter kind of guy, but I I I took classes there. I loved the professors. I mean, you know, the teachers that were professors, teachers that were there, I guess there were some professors, <laughs> but the instructors that were there um, that I studied under. Um, but I, when I saw Otis and I started to meet people from Otis, I'm like, you know what, this is more like my vibe. And then um, I ended up like getting into a, a cool living situation that wasn't too far from there. And, you know, I couldn't really like, I felt like I couldn't move to Pasadena at the time and I didn't want to commute every single day. Like it's just, yeah. so it, it just worked more in my favor to go to Otis. So I spent, Three years of Otis, graduated in 98. Um, but we were, we were that my class was there doing a, during a very tumultuous time. Um, there was a, a transient administration that was at Otis. And so the students in my class in particular were, we were, we were like known as the troublemakers because we were like, we're over here paying all this money and we don't feel like we're getting what we need to get in terms of like spending our time here. And I think 
in some of some of the, the the teachers from the past and even some of the alumni have told me that because of like our classes, my classes antics, a lot of things were set in motion that helped Otis kind of become what it is now. Mm. We made such a fuss. Like we were always banging on the door of the administration, like, yo, we need to, we need to take a meeting with you because we're concerned about this and we need that. And we're not getting this. And what like we're sitting here and our teachers aren't showing up and we're calculating the money we're spending mm. or we're gonna pay back. And like we're not getting what we need. You guys, even if you're not permanent here, you still got to take care of your students. And we were at the time, I think the administration was more focused on like design. Mm. And we were like, my class was more focused on like illustration and like, you know, I remember one of one of my friends was, you know, trying to get an animation. And mm. so it was more the illustration type thing that my class wanted to get into. And so we were kind of, we felt like we were being left behind. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were like, you guys got to step your game up. And so we didn't necessarily get to experience that while we were there, but we fought for it. Um, so it was, you know, it was, it was still a good time. I mean, it was Otis. It was, you know, being around a bunch of artists, philosophers all day, you know, doing cool stuff. It was, it was great, you know? So were you, Cause that's what you wanted to do or was it music or both or where were you headspace wise no. at that time? I, um, flirted with the idea of being a DJ, but all my life I've been a visual artist. That's what I did. I was known for that. I was the, I was the cool kid in school because I could draw, you know, you remember that you, remember, oh, you could draw, like draw me something. You know, I was that, I was that kid, you know, I was like the high school newspaper cartoonist and I started like a little airbrush business. After know any of this, Garth, this is amazing. The Bell the Bow video that came out. Remember the poison video when Michael Bivens had the overalls on with the yeah. airbrush graffiti? Yeah. So I was living in the valley. And so that be, that started to become a trend. Yeah. But they didn't have any like graffiti artists in the valley. Yeah. That were doing airbrush work like that. Not really at the time when it started. So kids would take their like denim jackets and overalls to like the swap meet in the valley. Yeah, yeah, but those guys were like heavy metal airbrush artists. So the kids would come back to school wearing these like weird graffitied up (laughs) this gear, and I'm like, that ain't right. So, (laughs) what you guys come to? I'll do it. Come to me. So I begged my parents. They went in, got me an airbrush. I commandeered the garage, and I spent all weekend in the garage like airbrushing people's stuff up. Like that's what I was doing. Amazing. High school was fun. Um. But yeah, so that was my thing. I wanted to get into, you know, film production, like as a a set artist and designer, I wanted to design, you know, costumes and characters. Like I wanted to be one of the illustrators for like animation, film, like, but on the development side, like storyboard, like I wanted to get into that. But while I was at Otis, because I was a music lover and I was being immersed, having moved back to LA into the music scene, ultimately that that won my heart so even though I went through school and completed school I you know by the time I graduated from Otis I had Chocolate City oh got it because I I got on the air um in 96 and I had like a late night weekend shift matter of fact for a minute I had like Saturday and Sunday from midnight to three um while I was in school and but by the time I graduated, like in 98, I was already on the air five nights a week. No, So wonder. that kind of like, 
really hindered my progress as a student at Otis. Like <laughs> yeah. I didn't do my, I didn't do my best work because all of a sudden I'm like eating up music yeah, and being out and meeting people. Like, so it, I was torn, you know? That makes sense because I wasn't, I didn't move up because I graduated from Long Beach. I didn't move up till it was like 90, maybe 99. And then I think 99 maybe was when I started doing the stuff and started because I, I moved up to K-Town by myself. And that's when I started. That's when I was doing that stuff. And I was interning at the Wake Up Show. And so like you were like deep. It, so I was like, oh, he's been. Everyone's like, oh, guard training, you know, because I was in college. I wasn't paying attention to that. I was like, you know, trying to survive. So I wasn't, you know, so I wasn't really knowing. But like I heard of you, I heard of the show. But when I got to and I started like being in the scene, I was like, oh, he's they're like, he's been doing that for. So I just just thought DJ, you know, but creative. What what I like to do to to make sure people understand here is that the nonlinear career path, but also creative is a creative. Right. So you know, you could be do it, you know, of course that makes sense. It's not like what you used to, I wasn't like what you used, you, you're an illustrator. It was more like, I didn't know you went, that was like part of your path too, you know, because if yeah. you're creative, you're creative with that, whatever. It's like, it doesn't matter the medium. It doesn't matter the process. If you're a creative, you're a creative, yeah. but that's amazing. Um, I, do you still saw- do stuff? Um, that's one of my goals. Yeah. Like I was referring to goals. Um, you know, it, it, as a creative, you know, it takes, it takes discipline because you have to immerse yourself in that space. It really is like, um, almost like practicing a certain level of detachment from, you know, the things that sort of distract us in the world. Um, yeah. you know, you to do a zone. I mean, uh, you know, I, every once in a while I've done, over the, over the years, over the last, you know, <laughs> since I got into radio and DJing and kind of left that visual space, um, done a couple of pieces of work, you know, some paintings or whatever. I've actually posted a couple of things on my, my IG, um, but that it's a goal. It's a goal to just start to draw every day. And I haven't been able to do that. Like I, there was a spurt where a friend of mine and I started to like share pictures every day we would like do a sketch and like mm. x back and forth to try to keep each other accountable <laughs> you know she busy i'm busy so we did it for a little while and then it was like you know all right we'll, we'll get back to it at some point but ultimately it's like that's part of what i'm what i'm referring to when i say i have to like recalibrate my whole way of thinking into yeah. creating a space for my creativity yeah i mean that's one of the reasons why i decided like I needed to get a divorce. Like mm-hmm. my, my creativity, the creative spark, I could feel it. It was, it was like going out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you're going to be in a relationship, it, the relationship itself should serve the creative spark, not, not be a hindrance to it. And ultimately it's not, that's not about putting responsibility on the other person at all. This is about the self. It's the about self. Yeah. the no about the awareness you know yeah and just, I just, aware. just earlier today and i haven't finished the episode i was listening to a podcast with amy sherald the artist that did um uh, michelle obama the famous right and she was talking about 
she has an amazing story in general and she doesn't really do these things so it's awesome to hear her talk about her journey and stuff but she was saying like she was not in any relationship like she feels that she wouldn't be where she's at today finding her voice finding her style for all these things to where she's at now she didn't get find it until she was like 30 something 36 or something and she doesn't feel she would have gotten to that space if she had been in relationships now mm. she's with she has a partner the love of her life and she's like she made a joke she's like can we just like split up for like two months because i got these deadlines because you want to be to be i feel like i was in my best zone you know, and I love the supernatural bear, you know, the son, my son, our son and stuff like that. I love him to death. And he's a mirror. As you know, these children are these little humans are mirrors. And, you know, I'm a better person for it. But, you know, when I was able to just, you know, people don't understand it, whether it's music, if, if it's visual or anything, you're writing. A big part of the process is that like milling around, like. You know, the marinating stage, the the, you know, where people on the outside looking in would be like, they're doing nothing. No, no, no. That's part of the process. And when you are stretched in so many directions, the essence of you, you know, is, you know, the parent, the the partner, the, the like, you know, I think that's why Rock and I work so well pre, you know, having our little humans because we were that venn diagram of like my own thing his own thing we only overlapped a little bit so i felt like i could do whatever three o'clock in the morning the dead time i was like my best creative thing you know all that stuff and i could do all that but then it shifts right when you become a parent so i i get it and i feel like it's ex this is even more exciting because you know you're 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 peeling the layers you're doing these deep dives garth and then you're going to start get you have the space now, I feel like, you know, right, like the bandwidth and the spiritual space to to explore and find out what it's going to be. And it yeah. might not be pretty in the beginning, but it's going to be coming out and it's therapeutic, like the zone. I miss getting in that zone, you know, where it's like, oh, shit, it's been six hours. <laughs> I didn't know. But I was able to be in that six hours because I don't have to cook for nobody. I don't have to do it. You know what I mean? So I'm excited yeah. for you, Garth. I'm like super excited. Okay. Yeah. So I want to talk about, I, I, I just, I love music so much. Of course, that's why, you know, I went to school for art, but I went into the music industry and then it shifted and I went to both things. But whenever there's a show that's, I love TV as well. Whenever there's a show and it's, you know, the music's on point. I'm just like, who the who's the music supervisor? Immediately, who's the music supervisor? So I'm going to mention some names. You probably know them personally, but like on um, Euphoria in Atlanta, Jen Malone. Crazy skills. White. Uh, Kyer Lehman for Does Insecure. Amazing. White. Reservation Dogs. Tiffany Anders, amazing. Also, she's amazing because she responded to me. I was like, what is that track, that opening track? Have you seen Reservation Dogs yet? No. Ugh. Yeah, you're gonna, okay. You're going to laugh and you're going to cry. And it's like, we've been needing something like this. It's one of my favorite shows that have come out. 
there's that one, I, I, I didn't know who it was. I knew it was Yasin Bey, but I was like, what, what is this mix? Is it a mix? And she was like, I go, what's that, the, the, the pilot, the intro track? And it's by Hallucination, yes, with guest starring Yasin Bey, Narsi, and Black Bear. It's called Red. It is amazing. <clears throat> Tiffany Anders, white. So all my favorite shit, right? So you're a music supervisor, and I didn't know that you did music supervision for Entourage. How did that come about? And have you seen, I mean, this, these are people that are currently for these shows that I love, and they're white. Where are where, where more people like you? Where are the people of color? What's happening here? Um, I appreciate that. I, I, I would say that I've done music supervision, but I, I, don't, I don't, I stopped calling myself a music supervisor because I don't like doing music supervision ah well there it is i learned how to do it through you know um a mentor of mine who's like one of the you know most successful phenomenal music supervisors in the last you know 30 some odd years or whatever 40 years his name's g mark roswell um people call him gilly but you know he's he's worked with the best he's worked with the denzels and he's you know he's worked Mm -hmm. with like the biggest names all these years and he does a great job and he's white you know but yeah. um once i learned that like music supervision really is it requires a certain temperament it requires um a lot of time it, it, i respect any good music supervisor because i understand how much time mm-hmm. it takes to get that song, to clear that song, to create that song, get it synced up. Like it, it, whoo, like I much prefer the role of being a consultant than <laughs> a supervisor just because just look, I'm, I'm a creative and I have other creative stuff I want to do. Mm, mm, mm. And I know that being a music supervisor, not, 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 you know, comparatively, I feel like music supervisors are like in a way, they function almost like attorneys have to function, like the level of, of oh, see, see, see. grind, you know, like it's just a lot of work and a lot of attention to detail. So creatively speaking, you have to have a vision. You got to be able to communicate with the producers, with the director. You know, you got to have relationships. Of course, you got to have that. It's almost like you're, you're a mix of A&R, you're a mix of attorney, you're a mix of DJ. Like you got you to have a knack for like, you know, putting sonic to visual, you know what I mean? You have mm-hmm. to, you have to feel it, not just see it, but you have to see it here in a way that's like, you got to have a magic about you. Like, oh, this is going to, this is going to work here. And then the attention to detail stuff is like, would this person be playing this in their car at this time? Yeah. Or if we walk into this bar or this club or this restaurant or this shop or this elevator, does this make sense? Mm. So it's, it's, it's a lot of detail. So do I like music super, supervising? Yes. But do I want to do it? Hell no. Like <laughs> I, I, I learned early on that that's not my temperament. Like to, to do that full time, it requires full time attention. Yeah. That's just not what I want to be. So people call me up like, yo, you down to music supervise? I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. But um, if you need a consultant, like holler at me. If you need me to put you together with some people, like let me know. Yeah. But um like the entourage story um 
it was uh, Gary Calamar, who, you know, who's, I think he has a show. He left KCRW a few years ago. Um, just a, just a killer ear for like good, you know, pop music that's not mainstream. And he, mm. he, 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 he understands that there's like a connective tissue with like pop music from all around the world and all genres from like, you know, going way back to the present. And he just, I've always admired and appreciated Gary's ears. He was, you know, he's one of the, the KCRW OGs, mm. you know, that really helped shape the sound of the station. And then he left and he's over, I think he's over at, at uh, KCSN. I think he's at CSUN's mm. station, which I think is where, where Nick Harcourt is as well for the morning. Oh. I think, I think they're at CSUN. Um, but don't quote me. <laughs> <laughs> all the, all the left of the doll radio, man, it's still confusing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I listen to all of them, um, you know, switch back and forth. Anyway, so Gary, who was a DJ at the time at the station, who was basically, I consider a friend of mine, um, was approached by um, Lori Nimhauser, who was the line producer at Entourage. Uh, they were moving into their moving out of their, they were in their third season, moving into the fourth season, and they wanted to switch up the music. Um, they had a small music supervision firm that was like really deep into like pop and mainly hip hop. Like that was their whole vibe. So that's kind of like what the viewers were getting for the first three seasons of Entourage was like music that was going to help sell the show. Mm -hmm. you know I mean? Like hits. And then like, you know, uh, Doug Allen, who was the creator of the show, he would, he would want to have like, like a classic rock song for the end credits. So it was, it, it, that was like the entourage formula, you know? Yeah. So third season they're coming out of Lori's like, you know what we need to, we need to spend less money, less money on the music. And we want more interesting music. Mm -hmm. We want like something more realistic, something more underground, something more raw. Like, you know, we need to have some supervisors come in that can really put like plug us into like independent bands and like indie rock and like classic funk and like 90s hip hop, like just mix it up. Yeah. So Gary's like, you, you let me holler at Garth. <laughs> like, you know, he and I could like, you know, we could, we could work that out for you. We could, we could make it hot. And so Scott Venner was a consultant. Scott's a huge music supervisor now. Um, and he, you know, he was tight with Doug. And so it ended up being the three of us is like the music team for Entourage for the fourth season. And then during the fourth season, the, the, I think it was the writer's strike that happened Oh yeah. and the recession was going on. So I, all this stuff happened and I didn't return for the fifth season. I think there were probably too many of us. And then I, I didn't want to go back for less money and they were offering less money. Yeah. And because I was spending so much time being a music supervisor, I felt like, 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 I, I don't, I, I'm not going to feel good in my soul if yeah. I accept money. And, you know, part of me was like, oh, I should have. And the other part of me was like, no, you did the right thing. Like, you're, yeah. you're good. You're fine. Yeah. You know, because, um, I, you know, I had a career like I, I was in radio and I was DJing and I'm doing voiceover work and I'm doing shows like I, I, I was when I was doing Entourage. And we had like small children we were raising like I, I did not I didn't sleep. I bet I probably on average was getting like two hours of sleep at night like it Ooh. was you know, I was gaining weight, like, you know, my health was like deteriorating. So I was like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know how much went into music supervision until I, 
I was upset because you hear good music in shows, right? Like uh, Grey's Anatomy, like they, you know, they really flip the script, change the game as far as like where the songs make or break people, right? And stuff like that. But then looking at shows that I love that were, oh, sorry, were um, rare, were rare, you know, people of color shows. Then that's when I was like, all these shows I mentioned, they're all of color, you know, uh, black and indigenous. And I was just like, well, oh, oh we got some music supervis- you know, supervisors of color. And it's like, no, we don't. But then I looked up. I was like, I need to know more about Jim Malone because she did. Uh, she did um, Euphoria and Atlanta. I need to know who this person is. And then, you know, her story is crazy, too. But I was just like, she broke down the science and mathematics of her job. And I was like. Nah, that's not what I thought it was. I thought it was more the consulting. Let me pick these, and then you know you do. But yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, how are you, you doing s- on time? Have your kids been in a house playing video games in your space way too long? Now you can get them outdoors and still be social while social distancing at the skate side after school and group skateboarding classes. Skate students get to improve their skating and decompress after a long day or week of school. This program is awesome for beginners to get started or advanced skaters to take their skills to the next level. Go to theskateside.com and learn about our COVID-safe programs in Santa Monica, Culver City, Glendale, and South Pasadena. That's T-H-E-S-K-A-T-E-S-I-D-E dot com. The Skate Side. More kids skating. I'm good. Just okay. just to give like some context, right? Because I think you were you were you were pointing at something that I wanted to you know get to before we ended the music oh, supervision. See, see, see. The the music supervision career, um, you know, it's attached to Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood, as we know, in terms of like, you know, setting aside what's been happening for talent, you know, for you know, artists and actors love the revolution that's going on, love the exposure. But when it comes to writers, directors, editors, you know, producers on each level, like pre, during and post music supervisors, these are these are all, you know, careers that require, you know, um, a certain set of resources that someone needs to be exposed to early on in their life, yeah, in their formative college years, et cetera, to pursue those career paths. And yeah. those, when it comes to Hollywood, it, it's been reserved for mainly white people. My lady is a producer, a young producer at Fox. She is one of the only women of color in the entire company. It's and she, she is dope. Like, as a person, as a black woman, but also as a producer, she's dope. So she's an asset to the company. But we talk about this all the time because, you know, it's it's difficult to navigate when you're one of the only people of color. Yeah. One of the impo- only one of the few. Yeah. It's just one of those things like. 
I don't see much of me around here. Yeah. You know, and you have to be acclimated to that. So that, that just goes back to resources is, and that's, that's a, a deeper conversation about life in America, life in the West. See, see. You know what I mean? Anyway, so that we, we could get to that later, but. No, you that know, makes, you know, that makes sense. No, for sure. Because, you know, listening to her story, she was doing something else. And at an older age, she interned, but she had the, the resources to be able to intern and not get paid that late in life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and then. I have an episode with my homegirl, Linda Morrell. She was uh, Emmy Award winning producer on Key and Peele. She's she's Lat- she's a uh, Latina, Latinx. She's a producer on uh, the Black Lady Sketch Show. And we had this whole conversation, you know, where, you know, they were asking her, like, I want everyone black on here. I want everyone behind the scenes. I want everyone black. Well, there's an issue and a problem. She say- She was saying that we need to cultivate this because, like you're saying, access access information resources there's like you know there, she's making a point to let people of color know like yo there's these a grip of jobs behind the scenes that you know you know these white people know because someone in the business like oh why don't you get on here there's this and that and da 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 but black and brown peeps we don't know that we don't have access we're trying to survive like it, it's made a certain way. So I get it. I'm hoping that it changes. I want to see. Well, it, it's happening. I mean, it, you it's know, there are slowly. There are, yeah. Uh, let me, let me shout out one of my favorite people, but also a super dope music supervisor, Morgan Rhodes, who, you know, used to be a PA of mine back in the day. Um, dope. Got a, uh, she's, she's, she's just doing a bunch of cool stuff. She's got a, a great podcast with uh, Oliver Wang. Uh, oh yeah. Is, called, you know, the heat rock podcast. Yes, yes, um, yes. Morgan, you know, Morgan has, has worked with, you know, some really dope uh, directors and producers and done some super cool stuff. Um, she's worked with Ava, you know what I mean? Like, she's nice. in the mix. Uh, also, one of my favorite soundtracks um, uh, was the Love Jones movie and soundtrack. Yeah. And that was done by a woman of color named Pilar McCurry. She unfortunately passed away a while ago. She was actually an understudy of my mentor for music supervision, G. Mark Roswell. So it, it's happening, but it's slowly happening. Slow, slow. And, yeah. you know, I just, you know, we just got to keep pushing because it. Yeah. it is about resources, but it's also about talking about it because it's like, you got to plant those seeds too. Like, Hey, you know, you could be a music supervisor. Yeah. And I mean, like and a lot these of are the time, steps and this is what you need to do. We're in hustle mode. We're just not exposed to even the idea. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yeah, yeah I, I could do that. Like that is a job. Yeah, like, Totally. And I reached out to Twitter and I was just like, hey, where are the music supervisors of color? And then I believe someone gave me, tweeted Morgan's name and a couple of other people. And I was like, yes, I'd love to see that. And I, I believe mo- out of the couple that I was sent, I believe they were black women. And I was like, I love it. I love it. Um, okay, so if you're good on time, I want to get into the last two sections. Questions and comments from the audience. Let's get into that. Um this is uh, what is the process of keeping your integrity when you are in a position that can be manipulated, influenced by monetary factors or entities that want to pay you? This is by Coach Lamar Betts. We did an episode and it's called uh, Episode 52, Skating with a Curl. He's black and he owns the skate side. And we talk about that experience. Nice. <laughs> 
I think I, um, I'm fairly sensitive to that. And that's one of the reasons why, um, there were certain positions once I gained notoriety through radio and DJing, like, you know, A&R positions or, you know, you know music industry stuff that would have, mm-hmm. you know, garnered a nice salary or whatever, you know. I just stayed away. Um you know, sometimes I, I beat myself up about that because I had I had kids. So it's like I've had conversations on, you know, both sides of where the pendulum swings with people that have completely opposite different perspectives in terms of like what it means to, you know, be integral, you know, what the levels are, what it means to sell out that at a certain point, you know, the idea of selling out has to go away because you have a life that you need to live and you know, you need to make money and you have mouths to feed and all these things that come along with like the American dream and the hustle and so on and so forth. So I've heard all these perspectives. And for me, I just broke it down to the sort of simplicity of like, serve the child inside. Yes. If you ain't comfortable, if that, if you know the kid is going to be looking at you like you're whack. (laughs) Looking at you sideways, like what? Like, come on, man, what happened to you? And so I just, I didn't pursue those kinds of offers because I knew people and I, there there were people in those positions that I knew. Some of them were fine with evolving and accepting certain mores and ideas and perspectives that I know five, 10, 15 years prior, you know, they would have disagreed with or they didn't jive with very well you know what I mean yeah and that's because society man like you know class and moving up that ladder like it's like well what are my options right now so I just I believed in myself enough to as a creative person number one like I like I said earlier I'm just not that corporate of a person I was just "Mm, I just don't want I don't really want a desk job yeah I don't want to go to the same place every day that's not me yeah. Um, and the other thing was like, I don't want to, I don't want to have to like produce A&R, sign, look after, accept, swallow, <laughs> like dealing with like an artist that I might think is whack. Yeah. Yeah. You know, remember, you remember, yeah. remember, yeah. remember the brown sugar, you know, with, um, um, Sanaa Lathan and, yeah. um, what's her brother's name? Yeah, can't take it. Lorenz Tate. Not Lorenz Tate. <laughs> no. It's uh, the other talented, handsome brother. Um, that's part of getting older, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> These names used to just flow off the tip of my tongue. <laughs> anyway, you remember the premise. Like he was at that that major label. Yeah. And, you know, they had to, they went and signed the Dalmatian duo. And it was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, I, lo- I love hip hop and I got to go off on my own. So I, I, when that movie came out, I was like, that's why, like, I've never <laughs> pursued that career path, Yeah, you know, like, because so to answer your question, like, what do I do about it? I've, I, I can't really look back and say that I've ended up in too many of those positions or situations. Nice. I've always just wanted to do my own thing. 
Yeah. Like, I'm good. I'll, I'll do my thing. Yeah. I'll do what I, you know, and if that means not making as much money, whatever, you know, it's, it's fine. Like I was, I was blessed enough to be in a position where I was hustling so hard. I was, I was making enough money to take care of my family. I, I took care of, you know, you know, my ex, when we started having kids, we had three kids kind of like stutter step, like, like two years apart from each mm -hmm. other. And for the first decade of her being a mom, she didn't work because being a mom was work enough. And it was like, it. like, I want our kids to have the advantages of being nurtured by this woman. Yeah. And she did the damn thing. Nice. She, she made her own baby food. Like she, she was in the mix. Yeah. Like she, you know, when she, she saw an episode of Oprah where Oprah had on the, the Chicago faction of the Mocha moms. And then like Mocha moms started to sprout up in LA. So she joined up with the Mocha moms and it was just like the first 10 years, I didn't mind not sleeping. It was like, we doing it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Are we getting it done. So it's fine. And I was in a position like, I was like, all right, I'm DJing. I'm, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm moving. I'm, sticking and moving like I'm making making enough money to take care of us and that that was satisfactory you know nice and the fact that you were you stood your ground and you knew that outweighed the the freedom you know of of you being in the right place inside outweighed maybe getting this money right Doing that on your own is 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 big, but I think on another level, doing it when you have a family and still sticking to your guns, I think it speaks volumes. You know what I'm saying? I think it's like, oh, okay, you were really, you really knew it. You 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 knew what you had to do, and it seems like. But that goes back to the relationship with the child inside. Yeah, you just knew that it would it would kill you. You would be making a bunch of money, providing for your family, but it would kill you. And what would that be if you if you were just a shell of yourself? What kind of father and what kind of partner would you be? And I think that's amazing. Okay, let's go to the next one. It's just a statement. It's from Tate, Tate. shout out to Tay Diggs. Tay Diggs. From, I saw okay. his face and I was like, Tay Diggs. Dude, right there. You know, I need to take some more ginkgo, you know, get back <laughs> to my agenda. Tay Diggs. I, I was like, I know his face. <laughs> I know he was in, uh, you know, he's married to, he used to, his ex was the girl in, in, uh, what do you call it? In Rent. Okay. The next one. She, she just did a major statement. Um, and she just says, Chocolate City changed my life. That's my homegirl, Karen Hernandez. We, I know from the music industry, you might have, you might know her as well, but she just was like, Chocolate City changed my life. So that's just a comment. Next one. Thank you, Karen. Another, it's another comment and a little story. Uh, another friend that I know, I know from the music industry, she's like, why is he so amazing? She's like, tell him this story. When Twitter was the first, was a first a thing, I recall driving up over the hill and down Laurel Canyon. And it was like a 20 minute set that was amazing so atmospheric i felt like i was in a movie and i tweeted something like holy shit at guard trinidad what a set of music and he replied and i was really excited that was lisa jenkins also from the music industry so that's that um 
<laughs> Another one. Uh, I mean, super curious to hear what he's been doing since he moved on. He's also a dope producer of music, so there's that. Our girl, Jessica Weber, owner and co-founder of Cosign. So she wants to know, you know. She, she just... That's because me and her, haven't we haven't caught up. We have to, Jess, we got to get on the phone. Um, <laughs> I mainly... just saw her. She was out here. She She owns a house out here. So I saw her. We had lunch. Yeah. Yeah. I'm jealous because we were supposed to have lunch. So right. if she comes back out, come out to the desert, man. Are you? Do you hang out in PS? I live in PS. <laughs> oh, see, okay, all right. I'm, look, um, oh, we can talk. Man, we can talk about that stuff after. <laughs> okay. Anyway, no. Okay, look. I, first of all, I've, I've needed to take a breath to recalibrate. Yeah. So I was, you know, blessed enough to be in a financial position and, you know, in a space where I took it upon myself to just like stop. So like I said, I mean, it's been almost a year and like I've done like two, two DJ gigs, but they were like private events. Like I'm not really, you know, I'm not moving about the club scene. Like I'm just and you know, like. Like I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to do some DJ stuff, but I don't, I'm moving out of like being identified mm-hmm. as a DJ because I have other things that I want to do. So for me, you know, it, it would be easy to continue to like, just be on my DJ grind, but it's like, that's not where I want to be anymore. Yeah. I, I'm a visual artist. I, I, I want to get back into that. I bought a guitar. I want to learn how to play it. I have a, I have a mm. book I want to write. I want to tell my story. I'm trying to Please figure out. It. Um, I have elderly parents who, you know, I want to be available to. I have, you know, three teenage kids. Two of them are, you know, off on their own going to school. Like one's out of state, one's out of the country. Um, you know, I'm, you know, finalizing this divorce. I'm, you know, looking at like what my career path is going to look like and what I want to do. So, you know, I want to lean into like voiceover work because there's, you know, it's just, it's fun and there's money to be made and there needs to be more people of color doing it. And so I've, I've been, you know, I've done voiceover work for years and years and years, but like acting, voice acting is the same thing. You have to be available and you have to hustle. You have to put yourself out there. You have, I have to update my demos. I have to like, you know, reach out to agencies and managers like, Hey, I'm looking for rep- new representation. So, you know, that's a part of it. Um, you know, and there, there's a few other things happening, of course, but that's, there's a lot on my plate. Yeah. Um, but mainly what I want to do is just like reignite the flame. Yeah. You no. Know, part Explore. two. Floor. Yes. <laughs> Speaking of your voice, I wanted to make sure I asked, when did that come about? Did you always have a deep voice? Was it pu- after puberty? Like, when did this Garth essence happen? Yeah. Um, by junior high, people were making fun of my voice. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was it was crazy. It, it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. So I sounded funny. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and then... I think I was 17 and I was talking to an operator 
And she was like, you sound so fine. Like, <laughs> like, could, like, are you in LA? Could we, could we go on a date? Oh. <laughs> like she was macking on me, man. And I'm like, wow. Like my, my voice is, is deepened. Like it was the first time I really understood like, Oh yeah. All right. <laughs> and so, you know, I basically stole my dad's voice. Like I have, I have my father's like Xerox copy voice. Hilarious. Like if we were on the phone, it would be difficult. The only way you could tell us apart is by like the vocabulary we were using, like the phrase, you know, he just, he uses more old school stuff than I do, (laughs) you know? Um, But yeah, that's, it was after puberty and then it just dropped. I was like, Oh snap. (laughs) amazing amazing um okay the next one i would ask what current musicians in his opinion are interrupting our hyper virtual reality what artists are bringing us back to a visceral experience of music and as an extension feelings of love empathy and understanding this is from my home girl uh past guest she's an arts and culture consultant if you don't know her i don't know if you guys know each other yvonne gallardo if you don't know her you should know her she's amazing i don't recall if we've ever met but i certainly know her name yeah uh, but i think we <laughs> we've met because it sounds really her name sounds really familiar um that's a hell of a question yeah um i love it I think there are numerous artists that are doing that. And I'm super happy about that because I I feel like things move in cycles Mm -hmm. and so much wonderful art, music, literature, et cetera, comes from hard times. And we, our generation, I think is living in, I like to say the most marvelous, interesting, difficult time in human history. You know, we are the generations that are, that we've, we've experienced a global paradigm shift because of technology that the world hasn't experienced since I couldn't tell you, you know, maybe I don't even know if the industrial revolution is as deep as the technological revolution. Like this is, this is setting us apart from prior generations and to to grow up in it like our you and you and my gen our generation we're like the bridging generation we remember cords on phones we remember Mm -hmm. the birth of the cell phone we remember the actual literal birth of the internet yeah you know what i mean like for the public space um mind-boggling stuff as far as artists I'm moved, you know, I'm just a music lover, so I'm moved by a lot of artists, but, um, and it's difficult to not have a list in front of me because I, yeah. I've really been probably even on a subconscious level detaching yeah. from listening to music as a DJ and a programmer, but just being a person who's listening to songs and getting back to loving a piece of music just for what it is. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say like off the top of my head, Moses Sumney. Oh love him um you know one of my one of my favorite bands is little dragon i feel like they are our our generations like sade just yeah. in their dynamic like the woman in the in the three supporting male characters in the band and, and how how unique yukimi's voice is mm-hmm. 
in the kind of music that they make and the kind of subject matter they cover and the lyrics and everything. It's just uh, when they first came out, I was like, these are my people right here. Um, Them doing a track together. Is this like, of course, of course. I was just listening to it earlier today. Yeah, I was like, of course, Moses and, and Little Dragon. There's a, there's a lot of, uh, Charlotte Day Wilson, I think has just a phenomenal <laughs> out of Love Canada. Love um, but what bad, bad, not good is doing for jazz. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I put them in league with like what's happening in the sort of Lamert Park jazz community with Kamasi and, and all those guys. Um, who am I thinking of, which is bringing me, bringing me back to the conversation about visiting Palm Springs. Um, we definitely, it, after we, we stop, you know, doing this, I we definitely have to talk about the series that my homegirl put together at the Ace and the kids that she's bringing from Lermert Park out here and have this, we have to talk that, about that's, it. That's exactly what I'm referencing. Um, yeah. Mikey, Mikey Maestro, I think is his name. One from of South them. Central. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's this beautiful documentary that aired on uh, KCET that's garnered all all these awards that are about this young drummer and what is his name? And he's the drummer in the series. He's he's on tour right now, but he's he's the drummer. It's like. Mm. And he he invited me, so I told him. He said he'd be back in December. So I'm, we have to make a date of it. Like I have to come out there. It's Wednesday nights, but it's something like that. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. Maybe I'm saying his name. Maybe that's his handle, or but yeah, that's the dude. He is amazing. I have some video of it. He is fantastic, next level. And then he brought up this other dude, and I'll get well. I'll get his name. He was a saxophone. He's a young black saxophone. And his parents were there watching him, and I was like, yes. It was like amazing to see. These young, it was a, it was, I think it was like, oh, the keyboardist, uh, the homeboy on the drums, and the sax, the saxophone player, all black, young cats, like in their tw- early twenties, from like South LA, with the yeah. residency over here. It was, I, I went solo. I was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. This is what I'm talking about. This is the new shit. This is what it's like the old and the new shit. The resurgence. Throwing concerts in the garage. You know what I mean? Like, so that that's just a couple of names. I mean, there's there are more, but I cannot pinpoint them at the moment. But yes. Love that. Um, Yeah, man. Just there's a lot happening there. I, I believe that there is there's been a renaissance happening in Los Angeles for a long time. You know, like at least 15 years, if not more. And a lot of great stuff coming out of the West Coast. But just just around the world, man, there's just... And the energy is always going to come from the youth. You know what I mean? And so the younger generations have access to information and to art in a way that we did not growing up. And you can see and tell how it's influencing them. Um, And as they're going through... They're growing pains and they're watching the world burn and seeing how everything is going. They're being moved to create this wonderful art and this amazing music. So there's there's a bunch. Um, but just that. off off top, like um Moses Little Dragon, you know, Kamasi and, and the Lamert gang, like I just feel like 
they've made. They're making a wonderful impression. Um, there's a lot of great hip hop, you know, like underground stuff that's, you know, coming, coming out. And it's just like, it's, it's marvelous. It's wonderful. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. The last one of the, of the comments and questions is you've been a great inspiration to me over the years. Tell us about something or someone that has inspired your journey, a book, a film, a song, a figure, or something, someone that someone may be able to, you know, draw inspiration from that is from words, your mama, Episode 14, guess the legend, DJ Mona Lisa Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Mona Lisa is one of my favorite people on the planet. Always has been. That's my sister right there. <laughs> um, I've had a lot of inspiration. It's one of the reasons why I want to like write this book and tell my story. Um. Uh, you know, I don't know why I immediately went to, you know, some figures that have, you know, passed on, but like Prince was a huge inspiration. Mm. Um, Melvin Van Peebles was a huge inspiration to me. Um, I have like a handful of visual artists that were really critical to my sort of visual thinking. Um, Mo Tu is a graffiti artist out of, uh, I think he's, I think Mo Tu is French. Um, but I remember discovering his work. He was, he was uh, part of a crew called the Chrome Angels that did like just some incredible uh, graffiti pieces back like in the 80s and the 90s. Um, on the West Coast, it was like Hex and Slick. Remember, remember the graffiti battle that they yeah. tell about? Um, you know, Hex, when he opened up the hip hop shop, and this is one of the things that me and Rocka bonded over um, in the beginning was the hip hop shop. Cause you know, Rocka used to kick it over there and rap and stuff. And I used to, when I was in the Valley, I would come back like as much as I could just to like go see what new mural Hex did on the wall. Mm. Um, and so he was a huge inspiration. Um, you know, Dali was a huge inspiration, Salvador Dali. Um, you know, Gustav Klimt, Egon Schiel were huge visual inspirations to me. Um, Robert Williams was like one of my biggest visual inspirations uh, with his kind of like, you know, his um, pop surrealism, I guess, is like the genre. Um, so all that kind of stuff was a huge inspiration. You know, musically, I grew up as a, as a, chi as a child of like hip hop in L.A., so... You know, uh, Julio G, Tony G, the original K-Day, like that, yeah. that whole battle cat, that whole movement was, you know, Uncle Jam's army, like all of that. Um, Ice-T was, is, is one of my biggest musical inspirations. Mm -hmm. Um, I was, you know, one of his biggest fans as a kid. I'm, I think so much so that, um, it led me to run into him inadvertently my dad was running errands and we were at the west side pavilion and i saw darlene mm -hmm. remember his girlfriend darlene yes. his wife yeah we all remember her on the cover right. yeah so you remember how fine darlene you know darlene is just a just a phenomenally beautiful woman she still looks the same by the way she still oh. is gorgeous as ever because she'd be doing them aerobics <laughs> 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 she's an aerobics queen um 
So I'm like, I'm, you know, my dad is, he's in some store and I'm, you know, the brooding teenage boy with, with my Raiders sweatshirt on <laughs> standing outside, you know, in the little, on the little balcony or whatever, looking at just people watching. I see this woman walk into this shoe store. I'm like, Oh my God. Like <laughs> this, is, and I'm like probably a couple hundred feet away, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, I'm really leaning in like, Ooh, like, damn, she's fine. And I just like shift my gaze, like not even like a quarter inch and ice tea is standing there staring at me. <laughs> like, why are you looking at my woman? You know, he, he's got the whole gangster thing going on. It was funny because it was just him and her, like no entourage or nothing. Oh, wow. I'm like, Oh my God, that's ice tea. <laughs> and I'm probably like, I don't know, like 13 or 14 at the time. So I was big enough for him to stare at, you know what I mean? Like, oh, he's he's like a young man looking at my girl. And he was, he was mad dogging me. I'm like, oh my God, I'm, I'm I'm staring at Darlene. So I run over (laughs) to the shoe store and Ice had gone in and he's just kind of kicking it on the couch. I'm like, Ice, I'm just one of your biggest fans, man. Like, could you, you know, is it cool if I get an autograph? He's like, I I don't have none. I'm like, here, I I got a $5 bill. So I still have that. Still yeah, had that that's amazing. I think I'm framing. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, but you know, all those cats, man. Like, come on, man. Like when when NWA dropped, I was like, wow, it just you know, just mind boggling. The whole West Coast movement, I was just like, wow. But you know, I loved all hip hop at the time, so I'd say hip hop in general is an inspiration, and that led me to discover jazz mm. and funk, like mm. for real. Yeah. Not just it's that we know about, but like, where are these samples coming from? Like, okay. Mm-hmm. So I, I it, there's an army of inspiration, you know what I mean? But I think specifically those things visually, um, iced tea growing, you know, th- th- I memorized his rhymes, you know what I mean? Like I dissected his, so he was a huge inspiration for me musically. Um, you know, you know, Tom, Tom club song. That's a huge inspiration. You know yeah. what I mean? So, but there's more. It'll all, I have to empty out my brain. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'll all be in your book. We'll see. Um, okay. Let's get into the not so rapid fire questions. The AKA slow as hell questions. First one, three words to describe yourself. <sighs> um, thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Um, My lady says that I'm kind Mm. and I hadn't thought of myself in that way. Love that. Um, And creative, man. I mean, I'll never get away from that. Yeah. You know? Awesome. Yeah. Those, Those are great words to describe yourself. Okay. The next one, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Senor Trinidad. Um, what is the best piece of advice I've received? Um, it's cool if I take a minute, right? Because of course, of course. 
Um, Damn, I'm going to say, because, you know, I've gotten some great guidance over the years from parents, peers, extended family, but going back to like the influence that hip hop had on me, mm. one of the things that I carry in my heart is just... The idea that um, it's that it's that that sugar free line. Mm. Um, if they ready, you don't have to get ready. Which which is you know that's not that's not a that wasn't a new concept. That's you could probably find it in the Bible. Like yeah yeah, a lot of those phrases come from the scriptures or whatever. So, but when he when he spit it that way, I'm like yeah, I'm like okay, I get it. It makes sense. And then. Um, I forget the name of the film. It's like an action movie or whatever. And there's a Latin phrase that translates to um, victory favors the prepared, which is the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. And I've tried to like, you know, keep that in mind and heart and also pass that on to like my kids. Yeah. Like, yo, get, stay ready. Yeah. You know, stay ready. Stay ready. Stay ready. You'll be cool. You know what I mean? Like you'll be good. Yeah, that's great. Opportunity never passed you by because you weren't ill prepared or not ready or you know, and that's that's part of mindfulness and mindfulness. All yeah, major. So okay. yeah, it was a the rap lyric that did it for me. Shout shout to Sugar Free. <laughs> um, next one. Speaking of music, what's the song your go to song to get you hyped when you need it? Now, most people have issues with this because there's different songs for different situations. So if there's multiple, give me two. Give me two. Damn. <laughs> really, this, dude, this is so difficult because um, it changes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let me see. Um, I mean, like, there's different levels of hype. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you mean like songs that make you like when they come on, they just make you happy, or like could, could be that, or like, like say like maybe I don't know if you get nervous, but like say there's a big event, or like say you're like oh concert phase, or you you're about to do something you maybe you never done, and you need that little extra pump, or you know like different those there's just different types of situations where you need to get hyped. All right, I'm gonna just throw a few at you because I think there's just levels to this. Like, yes. is like something that just sparks that joy. Like, as soon as yes. the first couple of, but like, you know, I, I'm still the kind of cat that like jump in the whip and switch radio stations. <laughs> Even though most radio is like, especially mainstream radio, it's hard. But I know that at some point, one of these stations is gonna play a song that I love. Yeah. So I'm gonna say, um, Rufus and Chaka Khan ain't nobody. Okay. Any, anytime that comes on, it's it's a wrap. Um, I'm gonna say Robin S. Show me love. Mm-mm-mm. I'm gonna say Al Green. Let's stay together. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say Sade's sweetest taboo. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna say like you know, Public Enemy. Welcome to the Terror Dome. Yes. <laughs> um, 
I'm going to say, you know, Razkaz waterproof, H2O proof. Okay. Um, damn, I mean, okay, I'm going to stop there. But <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, I, could, I could see the different situations that those would be called for. Not, not just knee deep, you know what I mean? Like P-Funk, I mean, you know, like, like those are the joints, like they come on, I'm turning them up. Like, it's, yeah, it's love it, love it. Also, uh, when we did our one year anniversary, I made a playlist of every guest hype songs and it's a Spotify playlist. So I put it on every episode now and <laughs> it runs the gamut. It's amazing because you need different hype songs for different situations, right? So you would think it's only going to be one genre on that playlist. No, my friend. No, senor. It is all over the place, and it's a wonderful listen. So I'm going to add all those to that to that playlist. It's going to be Eddie, fantastic. Eddie Harris, and uh, uh, compared to what? <laughs> you know that joint, right? Harris no, McCann. No, I'm going to have to look it up. I'm excited when when. People drop something that I'm not familiar with. It's exciting to look it up to add it because then it it's I get introduced to something new or maybe sometimes I know it, but I don't know who the artist and the, you know, in the title. Yeah. Sometimes that happens. Gonna, you hear it, you'd be like, OK, yeah, I know. <laughs> Mona Lisa had one of those when she was on. She's like, you know it. She's like, you've heard it. And then when I went to I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she played she was talking about what she plays it. And I was like, oh, yeah, 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 totally. So I'm excited to add those. Thank you so much. Last question. What will be your legacy? (laughs) You know, I think human beings in general, especially in this, in this era, we, we like, I'm reading Eckhart Tolle, right. And, and there's a couple of books that a friend of mine sent me during the pandemic. Uh, of his that I'm reading. And, you know, Edgar Tolle delves into, you know, he's, he's one of the people that does this, but I appreciate um, him, you know, his introduction uh, with these books, but he, he gets into the whole construct of how like ego runs us. Oh, and we're, we are living in an era where we have been like convinced that we are the ego, like we are the incessant thoughts, that little voice. And <laughs> really what we are, you know, you could say above or below that, we are the we are the conscious observers of those thoughts, of that voice, which is why we're able to transcend, which is like, you know, where you get in like meditation and prayer and all those things. Like we ultimately have control over that voice. The voice does not have control over us. So I say that to say that like life is precious and it's fleeting and I'm getting away from things that are like superfluous and I'm, I'm becoming a person. I want to become a person. I'm my, my aim, my goal is to become a person that is detached, you know, so that the ego, the egoic mind and the, the egotistical things of life do not affect me the way that they have. Mm. And so if I have a legacy, my legacy has already become me watching what my children are doing. Mm. I could die right now and be cool because of who they, who they are now. Not even like what they become. Who they are I have now. an 
old, a 16 year old and my son just turned 15. Wow. I'm like, I did what I came to do. Mm. It's a and thing. therein I think lies my legacy. It's not in radio. It's not in DJing. It's not in art. Like I could go on to like do things and achieve things in any of those realms or worlds or whatever. And be like, hey, you know, this is my legacy. But that to me, to my heart and soul, deep down in my spirit, that ain't it. Yeah. We gave, we, look, we had these kids and my goal became, my drive became not like to just take care of them or whatever. It was like, I have to, I have to like instill in them a set of values. Mm -hmm. I have to like, you know, attempt to get them to be critical thinkers Mm -hmm. and to, and to give a damn. Mm-hmm. about life, about themselves, about other people, to be the light mm-hmm. in the world as much as I can. And I think that my ex and I have been able to do that. So my legacy is probably in my fatherhood, man. Like, yes, you know, so that's, that's my hope. That's what I'm going to say right now. Beautiful. That's beautiful, man. I love that. And I think that's a, Perfect way to end this special time with you, Senor Trinidad. I appreciate you. You know, I, I love seeing your face. I'm excited to catch up right now if you have time after this. Um, you know, not on the recording. And I I want to see you, you know, when it's safe and we feel safe. And, you know, I think this is a crazy exciting time for you. I, I feel it in my bones that you're going to be good. And that you, you, your legacy is your children, but uh, but also you've you've brought so much joy in the world, um, given us so much of yourself, sharing um, part of your creativity, uh, and I appreciate you. I think a lot of us do, but I'm excited to see where you're gonna go from here. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's not over. It's just a new chapter. <laughs> so, muchísimas gracias, Garth. I appreciate you. And uh, I'm excited to, to you know, hopefully in, in the safe future, break some bread. Back at you, Ritzy P. I'm, I'm going to see you in December. If, if we can hook up a pops, we do that. That'll be Enjoy dope. Concert at the Ace. That'll be super fly. Yeah. Outdoor, safe, under the stars, on, undi- on indigenous land. Come on. <laughs> hey, I'm grateful that you thought of me for your podcast. I'm really happy to reconnect with you in this way. I'm I'm proud of you. Thank you. Of this and for making your voice heard and bringing on people that you love and respect and regard like I I that's phenomenal. So, I appreciate being a part of that. Ah, gracias. And now, introducing the Supernatural Bear Corner. Supernatural Bear. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Supernatural Bear Corner. Now, I have something to say for you. For some of the people who go on the show before the show, I have absolutely no idea who they are, actually. I've never heard of them in my life. And for this amazing man, um, Trinidad, DJ Trinidad, DJ Garth Trinidad, 
I thought at first he had three dads because it said Trinidad. And usually Trina means like tr- three, bro. And it was a, a, a Trinidad. And that was funny. Um, but anyway, um, DJ Garth Trinidad, I, if you are listening, I hope you had a great time on the show. And for everyone else, this has been the SMB signing off. There it is, folks. Episode 56, however, I was going to say 65. Episode 56 of Word to Your Mama with the amazing Garth Trinidad, a.k.a. Señor Trinidad. I'm excited to see what happens. We had an amazing time post-recording, catching up on the next level, and I definitely hope to see him when it is safe so we could break bread. As always, you can find all the episode links, the links that were mentioned in this episode, either on the episode page or in any app that you're listening to this web episode right now. There'll be links, clickable links, such as the, you know, the movie we talked about, the Keep It In Time by the Mochila crew. Also, some songs that we discussed, some episodes that were discussed. And as always, from now on, you can definitely find the Word to Your Mama guest hype song playlist link that is on Spotify. All those will be included in every show note from this point forward. So all the amazing songs that he mentioned, boom, they've been added. So starting from episode one to now, they're all included. Also, we talked about... um, Michaela Session. I was saying Mikey Maestro because that's his handle on Instagram. So that's definitely who he was talking about. And I was talking about that was doing the residency at the Ace. Shout out to Charlie uh, Jane who booked that. And, uh, you know, of course, his father was part of the um, Pan-African People's Orchestra. So he grew up, but grew up in it, you know, and then now he's actually leading it. It's an amazing thing. He's one of the many kids that I feel benefited from their parents really exposing them to the music at a very young age and in maybe in their own way, explaining the history of the music so that these kids and these younger generations, these young men uh, and women um, can take what they know and take it to the next level. So it's very exciting to see. Uh, I love, you know, seeing it live is incredible. So if you guys ever get a chance, please go see this amazingness live. And um, yeah, Supernatural Bear just laying it down in the Supernatural Bear corner giving us his first impressions of his name and yes thanks for the support we have a couple of more episodes to close out the year before we take a little break but we'll be of course re-releasing re-dropping if you will classic episodes that we've had from some amazing guests that are part of my tribe since the beginning um of 2020 of the end of 2020 so the beginning of this situation here 
So we have coming up next, I believe we're going to have Yvonne Gallardo. We're going to have a solo episode with her. We're going to have the last Relatives episode of the year. And then the final episode of the year will be a, a, a little small little bonus episode with just the Supernatural Bear and I reading some of the reviews that we've gotten so far and uh, some recent donations and all that stuff. So thank you so much for the support. You know where to go. You could shop. You become a patron. You could donate directly. And, you know, something you could do that's free is tell your peeps, tell your folks, and tell your friends. And as always, we reap. Word to Your Mama is owned and produced by Ritz P. Intro Beat, produced by Nico Beats. If you want to know anything about Word to Your Mama, including Media Kit, go to wordtoyourmama.com. And as always, Word to Your Mama is brought to you by ritzyperiwinkle.com.